And welcome to this Week in Review on our Source podcast on the day that COVID vaccine mandates change in Queensland. My name is Michael Crutcher and I've got a green tick on my Queensland check-in app. Jordan McDonald joins me as always. Jordan, have you hooked up your green tick? Oh, I have. I have indeed. I'm, I'm prepared. <laughs> That's good. We can still go to places. And COVID, of course, is the story that we're going to see a lot of at the moment. And the Week in Review, we start with that because it's something we've been waiting for for a while and to get to December 17 when we know you can't go into certain places without uh, having proof of your COVID vaccination and coming a few days after the borders reopened as well. So we've seen a bit of activity already. Jordan, you would have noticed a fair bit of stuff going around in terms of media about uh, different stories. Yeah, plenty of... Plenty of uh, content on the socials in particular around this particular date. Uh, so today is the, the big day they've all been pushing for. Uh, so, yeah, it's, it's, it's been long waited for, uh, for all of us. And we saw yesterday, we're going to talk a bit now about how media will look at COVID reporting. It's been part of our life now for close to two years and the way media has reported it, particularly in Queensland, I think it will change drastically. We saw some of that yesterday. We had 18 new uh, community cases announced and including one at an aged care home now that type of situation would have attracted very different headlines than what it did now after borders are open but one of the interesting points i just wanted to look at was the way that the government is noting the numbers so yesterday we had a different breakdown of the cases so we had a new category which you haven't had before which are 12 new interstate acquired cases so now we are having a breakdown of those figures. So the figures for yesterday were seven new locally acquired, 12 new interstate acquired cases and three new overseas acquired cases. Then we've also heard um, around the interstate acquired cases, the language around incursions as well. Mm -hmm. So COVID incursions. So there's certainly an attempt here to try to look at where these cases are coming from and people will make up their own mind i'm sure in um, how they assess where the cases are coming from but it, to me it underlines the importance of language language is so important and we said this for so long you look back at recent years and the way that some really important debates in society to me have been influenced strongly by language so we never had um same-sex marriage you had marriage equality mm -hmm. so then again who's against equality so right. if you're yeah. against a same-sex marriage you're against equality that language yep. has been really important and that was done particularly well we also saw that in the way that um the discussion happened about euthanasia uh, and it's happening in different parts of, of australia it has for some so many years now so it was about the word dignity came in there mm -hmm. and dying with dignity. Um, the term euthanasia was never used. It was voluntary assisted yeah. dying. Yeah. So who's not against uh, volunteers? Everyone likes volunteers. Um, assistance, everyone likes assistance. Now, I'm not commenting on whether those things are good or bad. All I'm saying is that the importance of language cannot be understated in anything. To be able to get language right and to get it right in such a busy time when we are consuming more news and information than ever to be able to have that language really spot on i think is always important so i've just been watching the way that some of this language is 
now being shaped for the reporting of what happens with COVID now in Queensland because it's something we haven't experienced before in terms of the number of cases that we will get with the experience we have, the knowledge we have. So let's, in the new year maybe, look at back and we've got another episode next week of the Weekend Review before Christmas, but we'll just keep an eye on how that reporting's going, just the way that discussions are being led. I know you keep an eye on social media a lot, Jordan, uh, and you've noticed there's some changes in the way that people are discussing COVID. Yeah, I liked your point that you made about language there and then how that uh connects with social media because there's lots of there's just so many so much wording around all the covid messaging uh and to convey information clearly sometimes in in posts on social media is difficult so you know that's been difficult for audiences but with the way things are being communicated now the, i've seen the very clear messaging from a lot of businesses particularly in my local area that just uh, trying to be very clear about what they will be doing from today uh, and then what they won't be doing from today. But in general, my feed has seen less COVID-related content uh, now that things have opened up and people are able to travel around. So, look, I'm hoping that stays that way a little bit, but I'm not sure. Like you said, we, we haven't seen numbers uh, like we have uh, recently. Uh, yeah. So... Yep. Yeah, it's uh, it's unprecedented times a little bit for us. It's fascinating, especially at a time when things normally quiet down. Mm. We had a great chat yesterday with Dr. or Professor John Fraser, I should say, Professor Fraser, uh, about the intensive care unit. His background as an ICU clinician, we'll bring you that on source next week, but we tap into Professor Fraser's massive knowledge base <laughs> of all things to do with COVID and um, that's worth listening to next week when we get definitely, that definitely. set to go. You spoke about social media, what you're seeing with COVID, but there's a, a topic you want to raise, Jordan, for this week, and it's sort of coming off the back of a decision by the High Court about what we can and can't say on social media. Yep, so something popped up for me this week. I've just noticed a trend of concern has sort of emerged in some of my local community Facebook groups this week. And these community Facebook groups are popular, aren't they? They are very popular. They are the local news, essentially, for, for most are. people. They've taken over from the old suburban they newspaper. Have. They have. Administrators in one group of mine this week, uh, sorry, two of them actually, have implemented a new rule that now prevents members from posting anything accusatory in order to avoid any defamation risks. Now, why this is important now, because this the High Court ruling and about media outlets, that was months ago. Yeah, so that was a High Court ruling saying that if you have a Facebook page Correct. and someone comments on there in a defamatory way, mm -hmm. the publisher of that page, so the person putting that page up is liable for action from defamation. Yep, and so that was, that was in September this year. And obviously that, that ruling had immediate effects for those news outlets. Um, but in October this year, a Perth law firm representing the mayor of a Western Australian council, he, uh, they cited the previously mentioned high court ruling in a legal letter to an administrator of a Facebook group. Uh, and they were asking him to remove defamatory comments that were on a post in that group. So that's the first reported incident of this occurring in a Facebook group. And I think that ripple effect is now starting to slowly being, sorry, is slowly being felt throughout Australia and some of these local community groups, like the ones near me. So I guess there's probably two ways. If you're the administrator of that 
local group page, you'll probably think you're doing a good job for the mm. community. You're a, a notice board as such. You don't think about things like defamation. No. And that can make you feel um, shocked mm-hmm. because court action isn't cheap. Yep. We know that. And then the flip side of that, though, are people who don't understand media law posting things that may be unfair to people. And that could be, for instance, someone posting something from their CCTV, which is a, an 11.30pm photo of someone looking suspicious in their front yard, which may be someone who's trying to break in, or it could be someone looking for their cat or dog. Looking for a pet, yeah. And then if they put up their, the imputation that here comes a local burglar mm. and it's old uh, Jimmy Smith from Three Doors Down... Yeah. That's got its own problems for Jimmy if he's looking for his cat or dog. It does. It does. It absolutely does. And you're right about um, it being confusing. And the, these community groups, they are private groups. You have to apply to join. So there would be that that feeling that sort of, you know, how could defamation really exist in this private group? It's private. Everything we share is private here. But it's just not the case. No, it's not. And it's certainly got implications. And it's also a reminder that, I mean, my background is in media and there's a responsibility that goes with publishing and the number of hours that I spent uh, debating things with our pre-publication lawyer. Hi, Rowan, hope you're well. (laughs) Um, And getting Rowan's expertise on so many things. Mm -hmm. But do you see an impact for this now on some of these Facebook pages? What happens from here? I do see there being an impact. These community groups are used largely for community um, messaging, particularly around any crime or safety-related issues. Now, you still can post about it, like you said, you know, post the photo or the video, but you can't just say, oh, they're committing a crime in my front yard. <laughs> That's right. You just say, oh, I saw them here at this time. And just it's just state the fact. But, yeah, I think it will – it has certainly annoyed some people in the groups who feel like they're being silenced. Uh, and that's just, you know – it's not the case, but I can understand why the community is concerned. They're worried about their own safety, the safety of their children as well, if they're families. So I think it will. I think it will affect the groups in a way, but we'll adjust. We've worked with some clients on trying to combat this, and there's measures you can use in Facebook, which include uh, going into your page settings and flagging words, mm. which if that word is mentioned in a post then it's automatically hidden, mm-hmm. which means that the person who posts it and their friends can see it, yep. but others can't. And then what you can do there is then go in as an administrator or an editor of that page and then unhide it, to mm. use a Facebook uh, term, which is a bit of a shonky verb. You can unhide that if you like and let people see it. But what that does is take up a lot of um, time for it administrators does. and sort of gets in the way of that natural flow of Facebook but it also then does protect you. And sometimes some of those words you can put in there to make sure you capture everything are words like the, a, to, it's, of, which has its own protective setting, but it does just create its own problems as well. It does. For administrators, it will be, will be make their job harder. Um, you know, all these people just live in, maybe in the same street as you and they're just regular people. So it's going to put an extra strain on the administrators to keep moderating these posts even more. You can't turn off comments because then you can't – it's effectively useless, the page, so it will make it harder. 
Our final topic for this week is one that has changed remarkably in the last few days. Now, we're talking about the TV show called And Just Like That, but Jordan, we're going to refer to it as Sex and the City because that's what it is. It is. Rebirthed, but with a different name, but it's the same show after many years. And spoiler alert on this one, if you haven't seen, we're going to talk about the death of a character and a very well-known character in that and what has happened since this character died on screen, not in real life, of course. Jordan, talk us through what happened with Sex in the City Reborn this week. The Sex in the City sequel aired this time last week. And uh, yeah, as you mentioned, the spoiler alert, Mr. Big dies. He's the beloved character. Um, he collapses after his 1000th Peloton ride, uh, which uh, is led by his instructor, Allegra. And Peloton being a well-known exercise equipment company. Mm -hmm, correct. Now, although Mr. Big's death was fictional, Peloton actually suffered some really uh, real-world consequences of being the stationary bike that claimed the life of Mr. Big. Uh, their stocks actually plummeted. <laughs> so there you go. The, the stocks plummeted. Off the back of something that Peloton had hope would do well in a commercial sense because it was a commercial agreement for them that they hooked up for product placement in Sex in the City and they weren't sure what was going to happen in the script so there is script uh, secrecy there but they watched it like everyone else and probably weren't overly impressed with the death of Big from riding one of their bikes. So what happened next? No, it would have been a big shock and as you said there was some um, confidentiality from HBO Max so they reacted in real time there so... Stakeholders weren't impressed. They probably weren't impressed that uh, their bike was featured for the death scene. Um, and with the, the stocks plummeting, they had to actually act in real time. So they had to get on and try and change the narrative a bit. And so they engaged with Ryan Reynolds and his marketing company. And they brought together Mr. Big, who is very much still alive in real life. The actor Chris Noth. Yes. And Jess King, who is Allegra, who's actually a Peloton instructor in real life also. And they put together a 30-second ad and uh, Ryan Reynolds then put it across all social media. And the ad went well, didn't it? Because what the ad did was uh, uh, the actor who plays big um, mentioned that he was all good. Yes. Peloton was great. Ryan Reynolds' voiceover makes it all end very nicely. Yes. And people liked that, didn't they? People loved it. The video across all the platforms was viewed just over 6 million times. All the comments were very positive. There were thousands of comments. Um, yeah, all, all social media was very supportive, except, of course, for Twitter, which is a little yes. less supportive. We know about that with Twitter. <laughs> yes, indeed. The world Yeah, West. it was well received. But wait, there's more. Because today, Friday, December 17, there's another twist in this, and that relates to the fact that it's not so easy to find that commercial anywhere now because it's been pulled because yeah, – there have been allegations made against the actor who plays Big of uh, a sexual nature, which meant that Peloton have pulled that. Ryan Reynolds has pulled it from his, and that's zipping around social media as we speak, Jordan. It is. It's, uh, it's an interesting turn. I know Peloton was pretty quick to jump on to this initial campaign off the Sex and the City thing because they had an earlier crisis in the year with a treadmill recall. So... This is a pretty scary, probably, change of uh, change of direction here for them. And, of course, we don't uh, judge in any way those allegations. They will go through whatever 
correct. Uh, channels they go through in the US. Uh, one thing it has done though is kept uh, Sex in the City, or I should sorry, as oh, so, and just like that, I'll get that right, and yeah. Peloton in the news. And that's all free publicity. It is. And it's just a way to show how sometimes these things can just get out of your grasp quickly and you have to act fast the way the social media world is now. You've got to act quickly, but you can act with some humour as well, which is what they did initially. Yeah, they definitely did. Ryan Reynolds, well known for his comedy value. So, and the way that he read the script in the ad too was very much a fun style of, uh, of script. So, yeah, I think the ad achieved what it needed to achieve, but, yeah, you can't really foresee today. <laughs> no, these things come from nowhere, don't they? So, But I tell you, I don't think it's such a bad thing in the sense of this week's discussion around the Peloton matter for mm. um, and just like that because I reckon the show needs some free publicity because I found it really heavy going myself. Yeah. I always thought Sex in the City was an upbeat show, didn't take itself too seriously, had the really strong character in Samantha who isn't back because there's been an off-screen issue there. Yes. And they addressed that in the early episodes of why she's gone, mm. um, but in a fictional sense. But, oh, gee, it takes itself seriously at the moment, this new show. It's got to have a bit of fun. It we, does. And it, it makes them out to be very old too. Like there's one that's suffering from hearing loss, one's, you know, an elderly, <laughs> possibly alcoholic. It's all, uh, it is all serious and old. So, and I feel like they're trying to tick a lot of boxes. Like lots has happened during the pandemic too. So, it yeah, does. They mentioned the pandemic, don't they? And look, here we are. Source has become a uh, TV review podcast all of a sudden. But yeah, it has. All I say is lighten up, have some fun. The show was never about, was there enough seriousness around the world at the moment? I agree. Have some fun and just like that or Sex in the City or whatever it is. So, um, But if you want to watch it this weekend, watch it, please. We could be wrong. Don't take our word for anything, but... What will you watch this weekend, Jordan? Well, I actually watched the third episode of uh, And Just Like That last night because um, that, that came out uh, yesterday. So, Do we stick with it? I'd stick with it, give it another chance. There's, a, there's an interesting little uh, plot, I think, emerging with one of the other characters that isn't Carrie, obviously. So that could be interesting too. Okay, we'll give it one more chance there to find a bit of fun. Yeah. Anything else on your schedule for TV this weekend? No, nothing else on uh, my schedule for TV this week. Probably just a bit of the cricket. Plenty of cricket. Day-night yeah. tests may it go a few days and uh, keep us all entertained. Yes. I'll be watching that too. Uh, and go the Brisbane Heat first home game Sunday night at the Gabba. Played Indeed. at the Gold Coast on Monday at the Gabba this weekend. We enjoy very much helping the Brisbane Heat. So we hope that they do very well. Jimmy Pearson and their team. Have a great weekend, Jordan. You too. And we have one more episode next week of The Week in Review. And keep an eye out for our podcast with Professor John Fraser and his views on audience engagement in a time of COVID. Listener.